Welcome to episode number 109, Miracles. I'm your host, Damon Soka. I hope that you're enjoying these podcasts, and I hope that you will continue to share them, especially this time of year when mental illness symptoms tend to increase. Now, as a note, the podcast is now available on Facebook. You can simply look it up by my name or by name and like it. Now on to our subject today, miracles. Miracles is really a broad topic for one episode. Miracles can be as simple as the growth of an apple tree to the more complex types of events in our lives where normal mortal events happen unexpectedly, such as sitting longer than normal at a stoplight that appears to provide avoidance of a serious accident. Now, while I could talk more broadly about miracles, today I would like to focus on those miracles that are really personal and often sacred to us. Now, I personally have experienced miracles in my life. Now, this is not an intent to gloat or to say that I'm somehow special. I am actually a very normal, perhaps boring person. I tend to be more introspective and thoughtful rather than social. Most things do not come easily to me. I've never really excelled at sports, although I have played and enjoyed several. I consider myself spiritual, but it takes a great deal of effort for me to maintain my spirituality. My intent in sharing those things is simple. Miracles come regularly to normal people. Certainly there are determining factors. We will talk a little bit about those today. But among those qualifications, one does not need to be special in any way. There are only a handful of qualifications that are important to a miracle. The first is always our willingness. The second is faith in the Savior, Jesus Christ. The third is obviously the Lord's willingness. The fourth, which is probably more part of the third, is the purpose of the difficulty from which you are requesting relief. And fifth is doing our part spiritually and physically to prepare for the miracle. Now, intermixed with these requirements, you will find that bringing forth the miracle you desire does not always come as you might expect it. Certainly it can, and I have experienced it myself, but sometimes miracle, miracles happen over years rather than in a moment. Miracles can be partial and incremental. Generally, there's a purpose when this happens. Sometimes the timing of the miracle is critical, and sometimes we just get in our own way. Often when the miracle occurs surrounding an illness, there is still a healing that must occur after through our own effort. So while the major issue might be removed, everything surrounding it still needs to be adjusted and worked upon. Miracles are rarely clean, meaning that while you might be healed from your mental illness, which would be wonderful, you might then have to work on a host of other concerns that have been a part of your illness for so long. Sometimes your illness has been so long a part of your life, it actually has become a part of you. And when that miracle comes, you might even feel a little lost. And sometimes, too many times, we have looked for a miracle so long we have actually given up hope that we will ever be healed. And while we deep down still desire it, we no longer truly think that it is possible. And there are times when we feel as though we are losing faith, hope, and belief as our prayers do not appear to be reaching the heavens. Living with a chronic illness is terribly difficult. There is no other way to say it. And when that illness changes your reality, your personality, and limits your abilities to feel, love, believe, and hope, then terribly difficult moves into the almost impossible playing field. You can, and I know that you do feel hopeless at times, and there's nothing more difficult in this life than to feel you have no hope or power over your own life, and that the heavens don't really appear to be responding to your pleas. 
Now I could say, and I could state that the Lord does hear you and that miracles do happen all the time, but that probably doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy because it just really hasn't been your experience. I know all these things because like you, I have felt them deeply. I have wondered if the Lord even cared about my life and my illness and what it was doing to myself and my family. I have lost hope at times, felt as though I lost my way. Like many of you who listen, I have seen dark places in my mind that I would not wish upon anyone. So as I relate to you my experiences today with miracles, I hope that you understand there is nothing special about me or my circumstances that would merit some kind of a miracle. Before I get too deep into my personal life, there are some important aspects of miracles that should be noted. The requirements that I noted earlier. Miracles do have requirements, although the requirements are often very individualized to the person who is asking. Miracles should not be perceived as random gifts from a distant God, but rather a personal witness of the Lord's concern for you personally, and a personal demonstration of His mercy towards you. It is a sign that He knows you deeply, and is very concerned about your conversion to celestial principles. Although miracles are not required to obtain that type of witness, miracles are a form of it. Each of Christ's miracles was a deeply personal experience for each individual noted in the New Testament. Certainly the Savior did not want these people to suffer, but that was generally why he didn't that was not generally why he healed them. Each of those healings served a served as a personal witness and conversion to the divinity of the Savior and his mission to bind up the broken wounds. Miracles are a form of testimony and witness of the divine and of the merciful blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Yes, the Savior did heal a few individuals who did not know him at first, but the healing was intended to bring the individual to Christ, not simply to remove the suffering. The first thing one must understand about miracles is that they are personal testimonies and more often than not are very sacred. Yes, miracles happen all the time, but because of their personal nature, we generally do not hear a lot about them. Now a little bit more about these requirements. The requirements of a miracle are actually fairly simple. We need to ask, we need to have faith, we need to do our part, and we need to accept what we are given even if that means things go from bad to worse for a period of time, or our healing is terribly slow and incremental. I think that the first thought most people have when they are not healed by asking, whether through prayer, fasting, temple prayer, a priesthood blessing, or all of the above, is that they lack the faith to be healed. Now, I have fallen into this line of thinking far too many times. My personal opinion and some of my experiences tell me that this is rarely the case with people. We can have mountains of faith but not be healed, and we can have the faith of a mustard seed and see great blessings. Faith is important and faith in Jesus Christ is critical, but faith does not operate on a quantity measurement. You do not have to gather a certain level of faith before a miracle occurs. There is a quality measurement that is important to the idea of miracles, meaning that they are a witness of the existence and of the individual love of a Savior and of His atonement. We need to have sufficient faith in the Savior so that when the miracle does come, that a witness can come with it and a strengthening and a conversioning of our loyalty to the Savior. If the Savior allows for a miracle to occur, or better said, causes a miracle to occur, 
then it is important that we receive the witness with the miracle. If the Savior causes a miracle to occur, and we are more likely to attribute the miracle to something other than Him, and we do not receive the gift of the witness or conversion, then we may not have the quality of faith necessary for a miracle. Meaning simply, that the Savior is not likely to burden us with a miracle if we will not recognize Him as the main part of the process. Faith does not need to be mountainous and grandiose, but it does need to be able to see the hand of the Savior in the process. Now, one of the next requirements is important, and is that we really need to do our part. We must use current medicinal knowledge, including psychiatry, psychology, and really anything that provides true value. We need not go to extremes and use the untried or hearsay type of remedies. The Lord expects us to use our minds and personal revelation and to work through the many avail available sources of help here upon the earth. We should also do our part to maintain our spirituality and physical health. Are we going to fail at times? Yes, and we might fail very often. But the Lord really understands our failures and our weaknesses. The final requirement of the miracle is really something over which we do not have much control, but it is very important to understand. I have discussed this side of the miracle at length in my podcast, so I'm really not I'm really only going to mention it here. The Lord understands what is valuable in our lives and what will provide benefit, and often, very often, that entails learning by suffering. The Savior learned this way, and mortality is actually set up for us to work through specific individualized trials through suffering. We can certainly reject the trials, but that also causes us to reject our salvation. And so we must rely upon the Lord to decide what is valuable to our lives and what will not provide any real benefit. The most important thing to note about this requirement is that we ask that is that we if we ask with such frequency and intensity and persistence that like Joseph Smith with the lost pages of the Book of Mormon, we can actually ask for that which is not beneficial to us. Better to leave it with the Lord. Now I to a more personal perspective of miracles. Today I am going to talk about two specific miracles in my own life that I have experienced with the hope that it will inspire your hope. One of the wonderful things about miracles is that miracles beget miracles and hope begets hope. And it is my hope that in my experiences you might find what you are looking for in your own life. I am going to speak of two very specific circumstances. As I tell you of my experiences, I'm going to highlight certain things that were important in the healing process, both before and after the miracle. The first experience is my own bout with mental illness, the first time. If you've listened to any of the real podcasts, you're likely to already know I suffered moderate to severe bipolar with a serious form of anxiety until I was about 33 years old. My bipolar case was rapid cycling with about a six-week cycle. And I was not diagnosed till after my mission, and about 20 or 21 or 22 years old. And I was motivated to see the doctor or to move towards medicine by a particularly troubling bout with the illness, which I have discussed as was as close as I ever want to come to suicide. One must understand that when I was diagnosed, that was much known was about not much was known about the illness as it is today, and medications were a little archaic. I actually started with lithium as my first medication. I had suspected throughout my mission that I suffered with some type of mental illness, and because of my own fear and perhaps lack of knowledge, I declined an invitation from my mission president to see a psychiatrist. For the most part, I sought out priesthood blessings that worked sufficiently until I could finish my mission. 
Now, once I had my diagnosis, after I returned, and the medications and accepted the illness for what it was, I then began that true journey of desiring to be healed entirely from the illness. I think that is really the first step in the journey of a miracle, accepting what the Lord has given you as your trial. I was fully aware of the capabilities of the Lord to heal, as I had received other blessings at a much younger age where I was instantly healed from illnesses, although I do not remember exactly what that illness was. However, that healing, along with other types of converting witnesses, provided a base from which I began to ask the Lord to be healed. I struggled through the trials of faith that every one of us does, thinking that I did not have sufficient faith, even though I had evidence that I did have that faith. Mental illness does not make one sure of anything, especially our faith. Although I was not entirely knowledgeable about the spiritual and physical requirements, that I discussed previously, I did seek out doctors and medical professionals for help, and I regularly sought the Lord in prayer and priesthood blessings. Two important things came out of prayer and those priesthood blessings. The first was that the Lord did have a healing blessing for me, although the time frame was never really discussed as to when it would occur. All that was ever stated in my prayers and blessing was that it was simply not time for me to be healed. Looking back, I now see the importance of the duration of the trial, but while in the trial, most of the benefits of the trial were difficult to see and probably lost on me. Second, the Lord would provide temporary relief when I asked, and I asked regularly for this type of relief through prayer and priesthood blessings, while continuing to work with new medications and doctors. I didn't get the same temporary relief every time, but what I did receive was a witness that the Lord was there for me when I needed Him. I started a family attended college and simply did the best I could under the circumstances. And looking back, I found that the Lord was pleased with my struggle. Even with all of the difficulties in considering what I was able to accomplish, I'm going to assume there was no doubt that the Lord was there to help. It is interesting how simple and pure healings really are. If you look at the scriptures, you will only find very individual, personalized healings. Almost every healing the Lord accomplished had to do with salvation and exaltation and the converting power of the mercy of the atonement, not the specific physical healing, but of the spiritual healing that so often comes when the physical pains and sufferings are removed. My healing was just that simple. I lived in Washington State near the border of Idaho. My parents and the ward I grew up in was across the state on Woodby Island. The weekend was nearing, and I felt that I simply needed to return home to Whidbey Island where I grew up. I had one of those feelings that it was possibly time for my miracle. That moment was difficult in the sense that I had felt it before, and had not been healed, but only temporarily. However, not to the same extent, but I don't think that I ever asked for a priesthood blessing just for temporary relief. I don't think anybody does. I had tried often, and the healing had not come, but a promise of later date and some relief. My wife and I packed our children into the car, and I returned to my parents' home. Most of that weekend, I don't really remember. What I do remember was that a stake president I knew well was visiting my ward, and the Spirit specifically asked me, asked for me to ask him for this blessing. Now, everyone who has the priesthood and is worthy has the same power to heal, so I'm not sure what prompted me specifically to ask him rather than my own father. But I did, and we went into a small room where with my father, the stake president gave the blessing that sparked my miracle. And it's important to note that I could feel it in the moment that it did happen. 
What was interesting about the blessing was that the Lord specifically talked about what I would need to do after the blessing, and that I would take some time for the entire miracle to occur. What I didn't know is that it would take another decade for my healing to really fully and completely take effect, that I was going to be required to work on the issues caused by my illness, such as my incomplete social skills, relearning appropriate emotions and what I should be feeling, reconstructing my relationship with my wife and my children, and a host of other small and large concerns. What I learned about my own personal miracle was that most miracles are a process rather than a moment in time. And they are one of the best methods of conversion, if they are approached correctly through the means that the Lord has provided. My second miracle started just after the first one. In point of fact, even some of the symptoms of my second miracle began before my first had ended. I began having serious issues with pain and fatigue in my body joints and muscles. I finally submitted to seeing doctors just a few years after my first miracle, and while I was still I'll say, in the process of healing from my bipolar experience. My diagnosis came about when it should, considering my illness and diagnosis of an autoimmune disease. Typically, it takes a few years to diagnose autoimmune illnesses. I had a moderate to severe psoriatic arthritis and a secondary autoimmune disease for which the doctors could not provide a specific diagnosis, calling it a nondescript illness. The results were sufficient pain and suffering to inhibit sleep, working, exercise, and anything one might consider physical. My life was quickly upended again, where I was spending countless hours managing another illness. I really did struggle for a time as to why. One major disease is enough for one lifetime, but two? I admit some serious discouragement and fell back, and again fell back into depression and some anxiety due to the illness. By the way, not uncommon for people who have autoimmune diseases. Because of my, serious, my previous experience with my first miracle, I actually was better prepared for this one in some senses. However, I think that for me it was important to admit that I struggled as much with this trial as I did with my bipolar. The Lord seriously limited my physical abilities, which at times limited my spiritual ones. I struggled every day to do simple things I needed to do and spent thousands of hours resting my body just to have sufficient energy to accomplish my profession attend to my church and family responsibilities. I again sought a miracle with as much effort as I could manage, and just before I had and just as before, I had several priesthood blessings, although this time it was rare for the priesthood bearer to talk about being healed in the future. I actually suspect because I had already been told that I would eventually be healed. Often prayers and blessings provided just enough to keep me going, if I was wise about how I spent my energy. And I was not always wise, but certainly learned to be better over time. This time I was more spiritually prepared for the difficulty, and rarely did a night go by that I did not discuss it with the Lord. The Lord had assured me that I would be healed, but the time simply had not come. As part of that promise and what would be the eventual healing, one particular moment stood out to me. During one of my normal prayers, and I'll just call it a regular prayer, the Lord specifically stated that I would be healed for a time. And from that moment, for the next several months, I felt really no effects of the illness. However, just before being called as a bishop, the entire illness returned with greater force than previously. Now, I struggled mightily when it returned, and then not fully understanding why the Lord would limit an individual called to serve his people in such a way. There were specific blessings, though, of which I was simply not aware. 
It is true I had serious difficulties attending to my interview schedule and working with our 50 to 60 youth. But the first part of my miracle came as I served. When it was time to go to the church to serve in my calling, I often, I often I struggled to get even out of bed. And I often thought, how can I serve anyone like this? I would go a little early and sit in the chair in my office. I don't know exactly how to explain what happened next, except to say that the Spirit would fall over me, would come over me, and I would all of, have all the energy and thoughts that I needed, revelation I needed to complete what I needed to complete. And actually, this Spirit would stay with me for a few hours after I had concluded my work for the day. However, the illness would return. This process happened so often, I actually began to rely upon it, saying that if I can just get to the church, then I can do what I need to do. So you can see how the Lord uses our illnesses as a conversion process and how small miracles can greatly increase our faith, devotion, and loyalty to the Lord. Now, this particular illness lasted about a decade or more until about four weeks ago, when as simply as the first time during a prayer, the Lord stated that I was done with this particular trial. Now, I will note that the illness had progressed to the point that during the last two years, I was thinking how I might be able to retire from the workforce because I was barely able to function. Yet, in a moment, it was gone. I am now in that side of the miracle recovery or healing process where I am working through healing the damages caused to my emaciated body, working through the process of reducing medications. I was on some fairly serious medications for pain and inflammation. Now, there are some important things about these two miracles and some interesting ideas I would like to share about them that are more hidden in the scriptures because we simply do not have the benefit of talking to those who are healed by Christ. The first is simple and very important. Miracles are part of the conversion process, not a moment-in-time event, and very often we are required to do our part before and after the miracle. Miracles, this is the second one, miracles are a process, and it is important that we remain spiritually attuned as much as our illness allows to the whispering and sometimes shouting of the Spirit. The Lord then can lead us along and lead us to the miracle we desire. Faith, from my perspective, is really a problem. And this is three. If you are willing to accept the Lord's hand and recognize it as the author of the miracle, you have the faith you need. The mercy clause, this is number four, the mercy clause of the atonement is not limited to just a limited few of us. I know many who have received miracles. We tend not to talk about them because they are part of who we are and part of our sacred conversion experiences. But miracles, even what we might term large ones, happen every day. And most important, they can happen to anyone. Healings can and do often come in phases and small incremental improvements. Not all miracles are a one-and-done type of cure. Most miracles are accomplished over time and in smaller sequences as part of a conversion process. Number six, you are going to have to work for a miracle. That is what the Lord desires of us. We need to do our part to obtain it, and this includes obedience to commandments that may not have much to do with your illness, such as tithing or reading the scriptures. The Lord requires that we do everything within our power as part of his healing processes, even if what we are doing doesn't seem to be directly helping the illness. 
This is the more difficult part of the healing because it can be difficult to see what tithing or reading the scriptures or going to church has to do with being healed from a mental illness. Finally, and this is very important, understand that the Savior looks upon the heart, meaning that he can feel what we feel, know what we are thinking, and truly understand our individual pains and sorrows. He does not just hear words, but the emotional content with which those words are spoken. He does not know about you. He knows everything, including our idle thoughts. So your prayers, even though it feels as though they don't make it past the roof of your home, are heard in every detail, including those in your heart and mind. The Lord truly hears you and fully understands. And if you ask, he will make that manifest to you, just how deeply he does know you. In concluding today, what I desire most is to express how much the Lord cares for his people individually. Miracles are possible and probable. They are part of a conversion process and very important part of the Lord's tools he uses to shape us. The Lord knows exactly what you need, and he fully understands down to the very idle thoughts and feelings of your heart. He knows how best to bring about the miracle you need in your life. Remember, miracles beget miracles, and hope begets hope. Now may the Lord bless you in your efforts to seek him out. Until next week.